Hello, Malcolm here, and welcome to this class on Nehemiah. It's part of the A New Thing series for the Thames Valley and Watford Churches of Christ at the beginning of 2024, and we're looking at God doing a new thing in the life of that amazing character, Nehemiah. We're going to focus mostly on the early part of the story, because there's so much we could talk about, but we've got to narrow it down a little bit, because there's a lot in that amazing book. Let's talk a little bit about Nehemiah before we get into the text. The first thing is that, uh, historically, what's written in the book does fit with what we know through archaeology and other aspects of the history of the time. And in the British Museum in central London, you will find some silver bowls and cups and things like that from the palace of Artaxerxes, who was the ruler at the time of Nehemiah. He, he ruled from 464 to 424 BC. Well worth a visit to go down and see those, uh, those plates, those silver bowls, because there's an inscription on one of the bowls in particular, and I'll put the picture on my website. So you can go there for it, malcolmcox.org. The picture you'll see there identifies that bowl as having been made in the palace of Artaxerxes I. And as cupbearer to him, chapter 1, verse 11 of Nehemiah, Nehemiah likely would have handled articles such as this. It is a tantalizing possibility that the very things we see in the British Museum today could have been handled by Nehemiah. What a thought. Certainly he handled things very similar. So his cupbearer to the king. Most of what we're reading about here happens in about 445 BC. And it's about 13 years after Ezra has set out for Jerusalem. Ezra chapter 7 verse 7. So he's following on and how now we have the next phase of what God is going to do in Jerusalem and for his people. Uh, at the beginning of Nehemiah, it talks about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile. That word remnant can also be translated uh, survivor or even escapee. So there's an allusion to the flight from Egypt uh, that made the Hebrews into a nation. Now with Nehemiah, they have the opportunity to become a nation reborn out of exile. Let me give you my summary point for this class. And you can be thinking about that as we talk about some of the aspects of Nehemiah's faith. My summary point is this. That I think what we see in terms of a new thing is that God was able to do a new thing because Nehemiah responded to the need revealed to him. That's a long sentence. I'll repeat it. God was able to do a new thing because Nehemiah responded to the need revealed to him. Obviously, he responded in faith. So let's talk about a couple of things to do with Nehemiah. And the first thing is that when Nehemiah has this need revealed to him, the first thing he does is pray. Nehemiah prays in response to a need that's revealed. The beginning of Nehemiah chapter 1, in the month, month of Kislev, while I was still in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah uh, with some other men. I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. I don't know if you ever get a, a, a bad news WhatsApp, a bad news email. Someone rings you up and tells you bad news. Uh, it can be a bit of a downer, right? Th nothing that you and I generally hear compares to, to this. And this is devastating to Nehemiah and to his people, the whole nation of the Hebrews here. And what is his response? In verse 4, 
so impressive. When I heard these things, it just doesn't say, oh, I got depressed or I went out a drinking binge or I ate three bars of chocolate or whatever we do to, uh, to make ourselves feel better. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. He fully engaged with what's going on here. For some days, so not just an hour or two, some days, for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So it's not completely introspective. He's feeling it, but it's before God, uh, the God of heaven. And then I said, Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear my prayer that your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. And he goes on to confess his sins and he just pours out his heart to God right here. As one commentator said about this passage, Nehemiah's first response to the challenging news he received was an honest outpouring of emotion. He held nothing back. What an example for you and me as we face struggles and heartache in this world. We don't have to act strong and be tough. We don't have to uh, do that. Those who follow Jesus are free to express authentic feelings that well up inside us. Before we can do new things, we sometimes have to reckon with the bad news of the trouble that we're in. And that shouldn't lead to us being stuck and frozen in place, but instead to pour out our hearts to God. Nehemiah, if you know the book and you know his character, he is a man of action. You'll see that as you read through the rest of the book. It's therefore all the more remarkable that his first instinct is to mourn, to fast, and to pray. We see here that his penchant for action is rooted in a deep conviction about God's honor. He is first and foremost a spiritual man, not a man of action. So fixing things that need fixing in the church or, or through faith by whatever means, whatever the issues are, if you like fixing things, it's about going to God first. It's not just about making decisions and getting stuff done. So we understand that he's a deeply spiritual man. And of course, that's the background to what some people call an arrow prayer in chapter two, verse four, when he gets a chance to talk to the king about what's going on. And just before he opens his mouth, it says, I pray to the God of heaven. That's a very brief prayer, but that shows that it's not, uh, it's not a superficial prayer because it's rooted in the kind of prayer life he, he has habitually. You can also have a look at Nehemiah chapter four, verse nine, for more example of his prayers. So if you and I are going to see God do new things in us and through us, we first of all need to be people who connect with God on an emotional and, and deeply prayerful uh, level that helps us to connect with God's sense of what's going on in the situation that we'd like to see changed. That's the first thing in Nehemiah. The second thing I'd like to point out for us today is that having prayed, Nehemiah does take decisive action. He acts. Chapter 2, in the month of Nisan, 20th year of King Artaxerxes, wine was brought to him. I took the wine, gave it to the king. That's his job. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. Quite an insightful ruler here, isn't he? I was very much afraid. So Nehemiah is feeling that. Shall I speak up? Shall I not? Shall I say? Shall I not? What's, you know, he's, he's afraid. But I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins 
and its gates have been destroyed by fire. He's honest with the king. And then the king says, what do you want? And that's when he has that momentary prayer in his heart and his head, not out loud. And he answered the king and he says, please send me. Send me there so I can rebuild the city. And the king says, how long will it take? And he says, well, some time. And then he asks for letters. He asks for people to go with him. He asks for all kinds of details. He certainly thought and prayed about this. He knows what he was going to say. And uh, he has some opposition, but the king says, yes, off you go. And off he goes. Now, here's a couple of things about this. Firstly, this encounter with the king is four months after he first hears about the trouble in Jerusalem. So although he acts, he doesn't act impatiently. He doesn't act precipitously. It seems that he waits for the right moment, the right time. And this was the right time. He's still he's sad. The king says, why are you sad? That seems like the right time. He's spiritually um, tuned in with God so that he notices, okay, this is the time to say what's going on. Four months later. And how is he feeling? He's feeling sad and afraid. But how does he act? Courageously. Courageously. He's scared. He's scared because he's putting his life on the line. I mean, his life and his people's lives on the line. I mean, the king had the power, like in the story of Esther, actually, the king had the power to execute someone for not behaving properly in his presence, however the king defined properly. Expressing emotion was considered improper in that culture, and yet Nehemiah allows that. He takes a risk. He takes. Uh, he's very bold here. And Nehemiah's conviction then inspires other people. We see later in chapter 2, verse 17, he says to the people when he gets there, he gets there and he does a bit of a survey at night and has a look at everything. And of course, there are people already living there. He's the, he's the lad from out of town. Um, and he's the stranger in many ways. But he tells the people living there, you see the trouble we are in. He embraces it as his problem, not theirs. Like, you've been here? What have you been doing? No, no, no. We are in this trouble together. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. Has some good news to bring. They replied... You must be joking. Who are you? I know the king sent you, but pff, you don't know the situation here. You don't know why we're in a situation. You, you don't. Where are we going to get the materials from? How are we going to be able to do that? We've got so much opposition. And anyway, we're a, we're a people under occupation. I mean, there are so many long lists of things they could give him as to why uh, he should just pack up and go home. They replied, no, didn't reply with any of that. This is, they replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. What an amazing thing. His conviction inspires other people who have been so far stuck. They need to do, do a new thing. But how are they going to do a new thing? They need someone to come on the scene who, has, who can embrace this conviction and himself has been inspired by God to do a new thing, working through his sadness and his fear to take a step of faith so that then they now can be inspired by him to join him in this new thing for God. And all of that, despite internal opposition and external opposition at times. We haven't got time to look at the rest of the book. Do that yourself. But eventually the work gets done, doesn't it? In chapter 6, verses, uh, in chapter six, verses 15 to 17. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month Elul 
in 52 days. Didn't take too long. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem. For they perceived, this is the key bit, they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Even the people in opposing Nehemiah understood God was at work doing a new thing. So let me wrap up by asking you a couple of questions here. All this great work was completed, but where did it begin? It began with Nehemiah being shown a need. Is God showing you a need? Is God showing you a need in your family, a need in your local faith group, your location, your family group, whatever group you have? Is there a need there? Is God showing you a need in your neighborhood, somebody uh, so a need with poor and needy people or those who are lost and far from God? Is God revealing a need to you? Last week, I went praying around a place called the Croxley Business Park, which is near me. It's a place with many, many offices in a really nicely landscaped area. It's, it's quite nice. And I go there sometimes to the cafe to work just to be able to focus. And, uh, but it occurred to me I haven't been praying there. And I went, walked all around the whole areas, a large business park, praying. And just God put it on my heart. Could we start a lunchtime Bible discussion here and see what God would do with that? And I felt like that's a need. It, um, I don't know the situation in this business park, but at least I'm going to find out. I remember that some years ago, somebody came to one of our church services in Watford who worked there, and I got hold of the person who brought them to figure it out if I could speak to them and find out if there's anything already going on on the site, on the business park. Turns out they've now left the company. They're not there anymore. Okay. So then I tried somebody else I know who was involved with a lot of activities in Watford on the Christian scene. They might know. not heard back from them yet. I've now asked the Watford Church if they know anybody. Uh, who works there uh, to find out what's maybe already going on. And th today I messaged Harry Patel because Harry used to work there and he might know some people. And I, I don't, I'm going to keep asking until God, I guess, maybe if he says no, he says no, that's fine. But it, it was put in my heart and I thought, I don't know how to start something there. I actually don't know. But let me ask and pray and ask and pray and ask and pray and see what God does. Maybe you can pray too that we could start something there. It seems like a good idea to me. But is there something that God has shown you? Is, a need? is there an action you could take in at least one area of need this week? Remember, remember our summary point from the beginning. God was able to do a new thing because Nehemiah responded to the need revealed to him. God is able to do a new thing in you. If you and I, if we respond to the needs as they are revealed to us. If we respond by prayer and then by taking whatever action we can, and then let's see what God will do. I hope you find these thoughts on Nehemiah helpful. Next time, we'll be talking about the Apostle Peter, and we're going to finish by uh, this series by talking about the Samaritan woman. If you've got any questions or thoughts, drop me an email. The email address is in the show notes and on screen. And I do hope and pray that between now and the next time, you find it very exciting. Uh, that, uh, that God shows you a new thing and uses you to do a new thing and that uh, he reveals what those new things are and you pray and take action. Till the next time, take care and God bless.